0: Welcome to the Better Questions Podcast. In this episode today, we're asking the question Does God answer prayer? We believe questions are an important part of every faith journey. So often in church, we either ignore questions or allow our answers to those questions to become divisive lines in the sand that separate the chosen from the heretics. Through our discussion, we want to find better questions that are more helpful to our faith, that call us into action, and that bring unity to the church. This is episode number four, Does God Answer Prayer?
1: Growing up in the church... Uh, I took whole God answers prayers very seriously. And I remember being in Sunday school and hearing verses on, you know, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed or, you know, like you have faith to move mountains and like God hears your prayers. I was like, oh, like, like whatever I pray for, God will answer. So I remember this really specific prayer I had when I was a kid. I was probably like eight years old and I just prayed this prayer so just... I was just so dedicated and I was praying. There's probably like sweat beating down my brow. And I was just like, I knew God was going to answer. But I had also learned from somewhere that God answers your prayers, not just because you prayed for them, but if you lived like he was already going to answer them, you know, like, you know, you got to prepare your fields for rain sort of a thing.
2: Like if you pray for rain, bring an
0: umbrella.
1: Yeah, sort of things. Was like okay, so like if you
0: build it, they will come. Exactly. So
1: I was like, how am I going to prove to God that I know He's going to do this? Well, I took some gloves from my mom's uh, wardrobe, and I took these scissors and I cut holes in the sciz- in the in the knuckles of the glove, and I did that on all th- three knuckles holes uh, on the gloves, and, and these were my mom's gloves, so. I was kind of, I felt bad, but it's like, this is going to be good. when she realizes what happens and I went down and I put the gloves down and I prayed over the gloves and I said this, God, I pray that you will give me Wolverine claws and I'll use them for truth and justice and I'll help people and I'll do good with them. If you just give me some Wolverine claws and I had the holes built into the gloves already because it's like, it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. And I prayed and I clenched my fists and... They cramped up and nothing happened. What a story. Yeah. And that's when I realized God doesn't answer every prayer.
0: <laughs> Maybe he did answer that prayer on the sake of the world, because yeah. I don't know that we want to know what a world is like where Andrew Drake has Wolverine claws. Yeah.
1: yeah. Looking back, uh, I think it's a good idea that sharp <laughs> metallic claws don't just shoot out of my hands. Was that what hurt? And it would be awful. (laughs) And it's like, what useful things can I really do
0: with that? (laughs) Dude, it would have been a nightmare when you were at junior high camp in the junior high boys dorm at night when they (laughs) wouldn't be quiet if you had Wolverine (laughs) claws. We'd maybe have some dead kids.
2: Yep. (laughs) Well, welcome to the Better Questions podcast. This is episode number four. And today we're talking about does God answer prayer? Yes, he does. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, when you think about this question, I think, uh, one, it may seem like the views are pretty obvious, right? Yeah. Either he does, so yes, he doesn't, no, or or a third option, which is perhaps like, I don't know, or maybe, or even it's complicated, Um, and so... I don't know how much time we're going to spend really breaking down each of those yeah. camps because they seem pretty obvious. But I, I think um, there is a lot to talk about here in terms of what's at stake for our beliefs about prayer, how God answers prayer, why this question may be less than helpful, and uh, other. I think it'll open up other conversations about prayer as well.
1: Yeah, I think if you're opening up our podcast, and you see the title, you're probably like, what do you mean? Like, if you are a person of faith, you're like, well, yeah, God answers prayers. And I think the questions that come from that that are more debatable are the how does God answer prayer? Or when does God answer prayer? Or what does it look like? But I do hear this question a lot. And I agree. I think the point of even discussing this is not to get ahead of ourselves. But I don't think this is that helpful of a question.
0: Do you guys think it's fair when we're talking about this question and kind of trying to figure out what what is like the next layer? So not even quite getting yet to what's at stake, but what are we really asking here when we say, does God answer prayer? The the first question is, what does that mean? What's it, what is an answer? So I, I feel like in my mind, that either means... Does prayer change God's mind? Like, was God planning on doing one thing, but then we prayed, so God decides to do something different? Or does prayer cause God to act? Like, we prayed, so God decides, okay, now I will intervene or act in some way, whereas before they prayed, I would have been passive. Am I missing anything else?
2: No, I think that's good. No, I think those two are the main, like, I would just call them the troubling aspects to this question. I think if you get past the surface level, like, shock the question gives you as a believer, like, how dare you question prayer and really think about it? I think there's a lot of people out there that are troubled with the concept of prayer for those exact reasons you just brought up, especially the second one, as if, you know... We have a friend who's dying of cancer and God could help our friend, but he's waiting for us to ask him before he does something.
0: Right. Well, and in that case, I feel like the first one is equally troubling because it's like, okay, if the answer is yes, God does answer prayer, then and you pray for a person to be healed from their cancer and they're not, that either means... Number two, God could have acted, but chose not to. Or number one, God's plan was that they have a slow, painful death from cancer and you prayed God would change his mind. And he's like, "Mm, no, not going to change it.
2: Or you didn't pray hard enough for God to change his mind.
0: Right. Exactly. Well, that would be that's what's so scary about it. It's like. What did I do wrong? Why did, why does God choose to change? What did I do right when he changed his mind the other time I prayed, but this time didn't?
1: Yeah, there are a lot of unchecked assumptions in prayer that I don't think many of us think through while we're praying, because we are taught growing up, you need to pray. It's good Prayer is how you talk to God and ask for things. And you're just kind of told, well, it's a good thing and you have to do it. Pray, pray, pray every day, day, day. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, right? And so you just do it. But there are all these assumptions in the background that you don't think about, it, which you guys just brought up, that can maybe cause some guilt or maybe some like pressure to pray harder or some assumptions that God is only there to answer prayer, which is a
0: kind of an unhealthy view of God. Well, and then I'd like to bring up the reverse side of that. I feel like those are some behind the yes answer, but some people might say, well, I don't have as much problem with that because I believe in the sovereignty of God. So I believe that nothing happens or doesn't happen outside of God's will and plan. He's got it all planned out. That's what's going to happen. Well, then the the side is, well, what's the point of any of this then? Why, <laughs> why pray at all if it's not going to impact anything because God already – Has decided what he's going to do. Or what, I mean, what's the point really of anything altogether if it's just all going to happen one way and there's nothing we can do to change it? Right.
2: Right. And I think also on top of this, you know, you've got all those views we've just laid out. But then I think there's some that might just go, well, I don't know about all of that, but I know that Jesus prayed. And that's got to mean something. Right. So you might ask, why pray at all if God's got it planned out? Or why pray at all if, like, he doesn't really answer prayer? Well, like some people might say, well, that doesn't matter because Jesus prayed and he called us to do the same. And then he even taught us how to pray. um, Right. And... Uh, I forget what chapter of Matthew it it, it is. Uh, Matthew
1: seven, 6, 7.
2: It's in the, it's in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, towards the end. There you go. And then it's
1: Luke 11, too. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so, and maybe those are the um, more faith-oriented answers. But then I'd like to bring up, you know, people outside of the faith. Someone like Richard Dawkins, for instance, would say, no, God doesn't answer prayer. And before you go like, well, I don't want to listen to him. I'm just going to say he has some valid points that I think are worth addressing, even as a believer. And Richard Dawkins famously in The God Delusion has the example of the milk jug. And in that book, he encourages you to, instead of praying to God every day, you pray to a milk jug and you pray to that milk jug the same exact way you'd pray to God. So, you know, dear milk jug, I hope you heal my friend or you pray for a promotion or a healing And his challenge is you do that and see what happens. And many people who have, I've never done that, uh, but many people online who have done that have said that changing their prayers to a milk jug actually didn't change their life. It, you know, they pray for a promotion and they'd get it, or they pray for a promotion or they didn't get it. And it's like, there was no difference between their prayers to God and the prayers to the milk jug. And I think as a believer That is something worth addressing because it cuts to the core of why do we pray? Is it for things to happen? Because if that's so, it seems like things just happen in the world and it's just a coincidence if we happen to pray for it or not.
2: Right. And uh, I believe it's Richard Dawkins uh, in that book that also points out that there are um, many studies that have been done and are being done on prayer and its outcomes on patients in the hospital, and they create control groups, and they tell one group, okay, um, you are going to pray for your friend that's in the hospital, uh, and this other group, you're not going to pray for your friend that's in the hospital. And of all the times that study's been done, there has never been a scientifically conclusive um, evidence that prayer actually the groups that prayed actually had better outcomes more often. There was actually, it was pretty much a wash.
1: Yeah, and and the people in those studies, the people who were sick, some of the people didn't know people were praying for them, and some of the sick people did know. And the studies showed that the people who were sick and knew people were praying for them actually... Uh, had worse outcomes in their sickness because they suggest performance anxiety. They knew people were praying for them, so like they want to get better and they put it put stress on them.
0: Yeah, they felt like they had to get better because people were praying for them and then when it wasn't working, that causes even more stress and anxiety, which obviously does not help in the healing process.
1: Right. And so that brings us back to the assumption If we assume prayer is for change to happen in the world or for God to hear a request and then act accordingly, what if that is a misguided assumption? What if that shouldn't be the sole priority of prayer? Because then it just becomes like a bargaining chip, a way to bargain to God. And maybe that's not the most healthy way to view prayer.
0: Yeah, well, I was thinking about this, too. And the thing that makes this question so difficult for me, especially when we talk about that second tier of does this change God's mind or does this cause God to act? It's really an impossible question to answer because you can't measure it in any way. Like, how am I supposed to know what God's mind was starting with to know whether or not my prayer worked. Maybe what happened was what was going to happen anyway. Uh, How could I even measure, oh, my prayer did get answered because God did choose to act when he wasn't going to or changed his mind from what it was before. I don't have either of those starting points.
1: Yeah, and uh, Dan, you mentioned the Sermon on the Mount earlier, and when I've studied that passage, it almost seems like Jesus is deconstructing the modern understandings of prayer at his day. So Jesus mentions, you know, when you pray, don't, you know, stand on the street corner, kind of like announcing your prayer, right? And that was a modern understanding of his day that you're kind of trying to persuade the gods into doing something. You're showing them how faithful you are, how, how, you know, Uh, obedient you are to pray in the streets, you know, and it's almost like Jesus is deconstructing this idea of trying to please the gods with your prayer and so they can be answered. And I feel like a lot of Christians today, though, I don't think a lot of people would say that's what they're doing, but I think uh, if they were truly, and I'm talking about myself here too, I've done it a lot. If you're truly to question your motives, I think a lot of Christians do pray with this understanding of, I'm going to give this lofty prayer with these great words, you know, and say things like, open my heart, God, and let your spirit come in. And like, are we saying these lofty things to impress God? So then he will act. And I don't think many Christians would say that's what they're doing,
2: but maybe we are. Right. As if you had the like the perfect combination that makes almost like an incantation. It's like, I say it like this and God responds. Or, you know, different um, denominations or different faith practices, even you can see that like the way they pray kind of is a window into their theology on prayer. Um, Some people take more of like the uh, like you're saying, Jesus was addressing, like they'll stand on stage and they'll pray these lofty prayers and they'll get passionate and they'll start screaming and like people will be responding. And it's, om- they talk about anointings and they talk about, oh, the Spirit's moving now. And, and, uh, this isn't a podcast about speaking in tongues, but in some practices, speaking in tongues comes in and they say, well, that's, then the spirit taking over praying for you when you don't yep. know how to pray it's almost as if if your prayer doesn't get to speaking in tongues then it's not good enough <laughs> right. like it's not holy enough to actually get a response but then there's other faith traditions that um go off of other scriptures and other parts where like Jesus in that passage then talks about but when you pray go into your room into like a closet right and your father that sees what's done in secret will honor that And so you have like movies like War Room that have been produced, um, that really highlight that idea of like, you have a small closet in your house and you put up your prayers on the wall and like the father sees what's done in secret and honors that, um, more highly and will answer those prayers. And that's part of the reason why I think we need to address this is like part of the reason we do this podcast is to bring unity to all of those views, um, And to just ask the question instead of giving an answer, but like, does God honor both of those ways to pray equally? Or are all of us maybe missing some aspect to this um, and thinking of prayer the wrong way? I think that's up for discussing.
0: Yeah, I'd love to kind of take that to explain a a tension that I have often felt and maybe get your your thoughts on it, because I'm surely not the only one. Um, When I was a kid, as probably most kids do, if I was going to ask my parents for something, whatever that might be, oh, I, w- I really want you to take me to this place. Could you buy me this new thing? In my head, I would think, OK, this would be better if before I ask, like I clean my room, uh, I've been really nice to them today. I've treated my siblings well so that then when I go to ask, there's a better chance they'll say yes. And I have so often felt that way in my prayer life where I almost feel like, oh, wow, I, I have struggled with sin this week. Like if I go pray to God, he it's. The answer is going to be no, or he's not going to want to listen to me or like it becomes very much that sort of a thing in my head, which I know is not healthy, but I feel like that's the mindset I kind of grew up with That Like God's answers are based on my behavior. But at the same time, I feel like there are countless stories in the Bible that do paint a picture of the people prayed or the people repented or the people changed their ways. And then God changed his mind and did something different from what he originally said he was going to do. And so I feel like I'm in this tension of, well, this seems unhealthy, but also to just say, it's ridiculous to say that God was going to do one thing And then we prayed, so we did something different. There's biblical support for that. So I I don't really know how to feel.
2: Right. It's what you're saying there. It just reminds me, like, it's troubling to me when we can start to think of prayer like a transaction. It's like, I do this. I pray these words. God does, like, here's my part. God, you do your part. Transaction over.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And... I feel like it should be more like a relationship. And, you know, the other part of it, um, not just about a transaction, but it also, to me, can sometimes sound like prayer is all about just questioning God or making requests to God. It's like, dear Lord, please give me this. Please keep me safe. Please do this for me. Me, 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 me. Be with my friends. And amen. And it's like, that's it. It's just all about yeah. what you can do for me. And that's not a relationship.
1: Yep. And some people would say the reason maybe God doesn't answer your prayers is because they are selfish. And once you then start praying, you know, unselfishly, then you'd perhaps see prayers be answered. I think that's a valid point, but I don't think it's a law. And, I th- and that brings me back to this whole thing, this whole... Conversation reminds me of the, why do bad things happen? Because like you said, Chris, there are a lot of answers in, in the scriptures about why bad things happen, but it's probably unwise to pick one and make it the rule for all. And the same is true for prayer. There are examples of people bargaining with God, almost like Abraham, you know, praying about Sodom and Gomorrah. Like what if there's, you know, 50 good people or 40 good people or 10 good people. And it's almost like he's trading a, not trading lives, but kind of like in this kind of bargaining position with God, there are examples of that, but there are also different kinds of examples in Scripture. And I think it's unwise to then pluck one from somewhere in
2: the story and then be like, this is what prayer is like all the time. Exactly. I mean, even the Bible makes it sound exactly like what we're talking about, like in James, um, when he talks about if any of you lacks wisdom in the first chapter, verse... If anyone lacks wisdom, ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So, like, ask and you will receive, right? That's also right. in the Gospels. And in verse 6, he says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So right there, it's just like the Scripture itself makes it sound like if you just have enough faith, you believe and not doubt, then he will give you at least wisdom, which is what the context is, but it also says, won't receive anything. So almost it makes it sound like right you won't get anything from God unless you have enough faith. But then, in our life experience, we know so many people hear stories of like someone that is a pillar of faith of a community and yet is praying fervently for something, and it doesn't happen.
0: Yep. Well, and I've just seen so much abuse take place with that mindset too. I had a uh, a person have a conversation with me in ministry once, uh, and this was like this was a teenager, a kid, and they had been through a lot of illness and had been praying so much that they would get better, and they were still struggling. And they said that they had they were talking to me in tears because someone had told them that, well, the reason those prayers weren't being answered and they weren't getting healed was just because they didn't have enough faith, like they weren't doing it right. And all I could say is, I'm so sorry that someone said that to you, because that's crazy. How can we possibly think that that like that's how this works
2: The God that our scripture describes as being so loving and generous and like a father and forgiving and all these things that are pillars of, you know, what Jesus came to do, dying for his creation, would then not listen to you because you didn't have... If you just had like a little bit more faith, I would have done it, man.
1: Yep. And it's this assumption that prayer is used when you're trying to get something, specifically something really specific to your situation. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to how we interpret scripture. Like I think of Luke 11 when Jesus is talking about prayer. And at the end of that chapter, he says, you know, ask and you shall receive knock and the door will be opened. And he talks about uh, your fathers here on earth. When you ask uh, for food, they don't give you a snake. Right. Like that'd be a horrible thing. Same thing with your heavenly father. But then Jesus says, so then when you ask for the Holy spirit, why wouldn't God not give it to you? I'm paraphrasing, right? But you could read, you know, 90% of that chunk of scripture and go, Oh, Jesus is saying, ask and you'll get it. Knock and it will be open. But if you read just a little bit further, he's actually talking about the gift of the Holy spirit. How much more, Will God give you the Holy Spirit when you ask? So there's there's this assumption in the text that what good gifts you should be seeking from God is this specific gift of the Holy Spirit, not just an Xbox
2: or a healing or a job. Right. And and I've heard people address this um question exactly like you're saying, Andrew, by by saying like the the, the psalm or the proverb that talks about, you know. And He will give you the desires of your heart if you draw near to Him. And they talk about, like, when you become like Christ, your desires line up with His desires. Therefore, your prayers start to change. And you're praying for things that, one, are things that God wants for you anyway, like fruit of the Spirit or the Holy Spirit. But two, like, your desires actually start to become the desires He has for you. And you start to see more answered prayer because you're asking for, quote-unquote, the right things. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I mean, for a long time, that answer has made a lot of sense to me. I just still wonder, though. I still, I don't know, like Chris said earlier, it's just so hard to gauge. Like, if something I'm praying for didn't get answered, is that because my desires weren't lining up with God right? Like, again, it just makes, it, makes me come back to me and say, what's wrong with me? that my prayer didn't get answered. And I just, I don't know, at this point in my life, I just feel like that's not very helpful, especially to say to a teenager that's in mourning or that's hurting, say, oh, well, you just didn't have enough faith. Like that doesn't seem like a very unifying <laughs> yep. uh, way to answer that question.
0: Yeah, so I find that really interesting because I was actually just... um listening to a sermon the other day, and they were talking about that passage um, where it says, Ask and it will be given. Knock and seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And it's interesting, Andrew, because the one that you bring up says, How much more will your Father give you the Holy Spirit? But one of the other gospels that this sermon was on, I think just says, How much more will the Father give good things to those who ask? And uh, what the sermon was pointing out is that they said, notice what Jesus does not say. He doesn't say, ask and you will get what you ask for. He says, instead, ask and you will get something good. And even when Jesus uses that example of... If your children ask for a fish, will you give them a snake? The sermon pointed out again, Jesus doesn't say, if they ask for a fish, won't you give them a fish? He says, You don't give them a snake. And that yeah, and that the verbiage implies ongoing action. What, that really the translation it would be more like ask and keep on asking, keep on seeking keep on knocking and you will receive something good and the argument that they the argument that they were making was the something good you receive is really like god in the end the through the constant asking the constant seeking the constant knocking you find god in that process
2: and see that to me um makes a whole lot of sense. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying before about like you becoming more like Christ and your desires lining up. But like in relationship with God, he may not always answer the way we think he will. Um, He may not always answer at all. We may just get silence. But the act of prayer seems to be something that does that changes us and perhaps the whole point of it like maybe what God's been trying to say to us through the scriptures this whole time isn't necessarily about the details of this is how to pray and this is what to ask for and this is what it does to you but more to say like you need to be praying because it changes you Um, and so in effect perhaps and again we're all about asking questions here, so I'm just asking the question. Perhaps prayer is less about the specific things we're praying for, and less about, like, if it changes God's mind or what it does to God, and more about how it changes us and what it does to us in the act of praying.
0: Well, I'd love to kick this to Andrew in just a second, because I brought up earlier how the reason this question is so hard is because we can't measure it. We can't tell, did my prayer change whatever God's mind or status was prior to my prayer? Maybe we could never know that. But there are some things we can know, and Andrew and I actually, not too long ago, um did a thing with students where one of our sections was on the science of prayer. Like, how does prayer literally change us in our brains? I'd love for Andrew to share some of that because he did the most of the work on that topic.
1: Yeah, uh, to begin, I'd like to quote Kierkegaard, and I hate being the guy who quotes Kierkegaard, but it's a good (laughs) quote. So Kierkegaard says, The function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. And the funny thing is, when you start to look at the sciences, Kierkegaard is right. So now I am not a neuroscientist nor a scientist of anything. So take my words with a grain of salt and feel free to do the research yourself. But certain neuroscientists like Andrew Newberg, um, have done studies on people who pray and have specifically taken brain scans of brain activity while someone is praying and here's what they found uh, they found an increase of activity and grey matter I believe in the anterior cingulate cortex which is the part of the brain that uh, among many things is where you find your sense of empathy and love and emotions and so they're deducing that someone who prays on a regular basis will get an increase of activity in the parts of the brain in which we feel love and compassion and empathy, which will thus lead you to be more empathetic and more loving. They've also found an increase of activity, I believe, in the thalamus, which is, if I remember correctly, the part of the brain where you have your sense of self and identity, which is they are hypothesizing hypothesis of sizing, hard word to say, that when you pray that often to God, to a loving God specifically, that it, it, it changes the very part of your brain that you identify as yourself and where you get your own identity. So we're slowly starting to learn through these new experiments that prayer actually does have a real effect on us. And it changes, it literally molds and morphs and changes our brains when we pray to a loving God on a consistent
2: basis. And that is rad. It is. And if I'm not mistaken, it, like you said, the center of the part of the brain that's for like compassion and love, um, is the part that actually, I believe enlarges or like adds mm-hmm. gray matter. Yep. It. And so, like you said, it literally rewires your brain and regrows your brain to be more like Jesus if you yep. could they scientists may or may not say it like that but i think we could interpret that research and say you know that those are the things that jesus called us to do to be more loving to our neighbor um and to love god and that part of our brain literally gets bigger is literally rewired to to act more that way to act more christ like
0: well and i know we've we've said this some already about the idea of not only making prayer a, a checklist of wants from God But part of the reason I walk that line a little bit When I talk with students Is because the crazy thing about that brain science with prayer That I was just explaining this to some students the other day And I kind of used the example You know how when someone makes you really, really angry And you have that thought in your head of like I want to kill them But then you don't actually kill them is because that part of your brain like supplements like not supplements the part of your brain takes over from the part that experiences that anger, that fear, that anxiety and like helps you calm that and prayer to a loving God like strengthens that part of the brain. And so literally a prayerful relationship with a loving God makes you feel less stress, fear and anxiety in life. And I said that's why when you have a bunch of stuff going on and you sit down and you pray to a loving God of like, "Lord, I'm going through all of this right now. I don't know what to do. Please help me. Like, help me know that you're near, give me strength." You feel better after you've gotten that all out because you're exercising the part of your brain that calms the fear, anxiety, stress part of your brain.
1: Right. And as a as a five on the Enneagram, I I have to give the caveat uh, by explaining all different lines of thinking that these studies also showed that just reflecting and meditating on love itself had the same effects But for me, that doesn't necessarily change anything because it's like, well, okay. so just at a bare minimum, at a bare minimum, if nothing else, prayer makes you more loving, uh, empathetic, less stressful. How much more goodness can come if you're actually praying to a God and you add in all of that stuff we can't put in a test tube along with it. But I just wanted to include that caveat for any of you more critical thinkers who are kind of thinking we're not revealing all the info.
2: I think that's what's so compelling and I don't know uh if we're all ready, but I feel like we could march into better question territory. Um but I feel like that's what's so compelling about thinking about a better question to this is like that brain science and some other ways to think about prayer that can be uncovered if you if you're just willing to ask questions. I think can just lead to a healthier relationship with God, healthier expectations on prayer. And um, yeah, I just think it it would be a lot more helpful if we had a better question than does God answer prayer. Something that points us um, to the fact that maybe we're the ones that change more than things we're trying to change in the outside world or trying to change God's mind. I think it would help us stop feeling guilty Like we don't have enough faith Mm -hmm. if our prayers aren't answered. Yeah.
1: And I think as we look for this better question, we need to change the starting point. I believe the reason so many Christians get to this part of prayer where they feel guilt for praying and nothing happening because maybe they don't have enough faith or they're uh, questioning their faith because they don't get an answer. It's because I believe we start with this assumption of prayer is to get things or to get an answer or a lack of answer. But maybe we should switch the starting point to what if prayer at its very base elements, where we should start is how does prayer affect us or what is happening within me when I pray? And if we start with those sorts of assumptions, I, th- I think we can work up to a different forms of prayer and
0: just check our assumptions. Can I ask something that might Might be slightly controversial I don't know We'll see when it comes out Um, Do you think it's possible That part of the reason We're struggling with this We being Christians as a whole People who pray Is because we're, We're looking for the wrong thing In prayer in the sense that We keep giving examples Of really terrible things People go through Diseases, etc. Uh, and typically our prayers in those situations are for this situation to go away. And you're suggesting the question or the prayer of how does this change me? And my question would be ultimately, if the situation goes away, but we are not changed versus, the situation does not go away but we are changed which one of those in the end is actually better
1: right right you can you can pray and get the answers you want and still be unchanged and just go about your day and just wait until the next request but perhaps a more powerful way of prayer is a prayer that is relationship driven in which you are having a two-sided conversation uh, and maybe not even a literal conversation is in God speaking to you, but there's a back and forth in which you are praying and becoming more like God. And what if that's a better form of dialogue than just being like
2: Andrew? Right. Right. I think, I think Chris, what you're saying, what you're, what you're talking about is, is similar to our previous episode about suffering. Like Joey and Kaylee after the fact can point out all these good things Mm -hmm. and point out all the ways they've grown and learned through the experience that they went through and they wouldn't wish that experience upon their worst enemy they don't want to have it again Mm -hmm. but they're also like strangely grateful for it if that makes sense and maybe grateful is not the right way and i can
1: attest that both of them i've seen them i've known
2: kaylee longer but they've both grown and changed right and so like Chris, you mentioned earlier in the podcast the sovereignty of God. And so, like, sometimes he gives a silence or no as an answer because he knows this disease or this bad thing or this person dying that we love um, is going to do something to you or teach a lesson or grow you or whatever you may, might say. Um, and I think that's that's important to remember. Um But at the same time, like though there there can be comfort knowing, well, God's sovereign and he has a plan and I'm going to grow out of this. At the same time, I think that that's still a little bit of an unhealthy mindset because it's still focused on, to boil it down, what I'm trying to say is we pray for things not having the full understanding of what we're even asking for. And God in his wisdom doesn't always give us exactly what we're asking for. Um, But I think also it's still unhealthy because we're still focused on asking for things. And if we can get this understanding that maybe these bad things can be actually good for us, then maybe we'd stop asking for them to go away, like you said, and actually think about what can, how am I changing?
0: And that was my whole point in raising this because part of the reason this becomes such a polarizing question, does God answer prayer? Does prayer change God's mind? Does it cause God to act? Is because we so often ask for these very tangible things like, my, my work is doing a bunch of layoffs. Lord, I, I pray that I do not lose my job. Well, then if I lose my job, there's only a couple ways to interpret that. Either God didn't listen to me. Um, God heard me and just chose not to do what I thought is better. They're all struggles. Right. But if if the prayer was not that, but is no matter what happens, God, like, help me to experience you, to grow deeper into my relationship with you, to become more loving, to become more Christ-like, well, that can happen whether I keep the job or lose the job. We're talking about a completely different category. And ultimately, even though I may not be able to communicate this in the thick of it when I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, at the end of the day, I think that I would much rather have an experience with God And have lost my job than had, quote unquote, God answer my prayer, keep my job, yet I didn't change at all in the process.
1: Right. And not that I judge people when they pray. I can't help it. You know, you're listening to someone's prayer and you're just kind of slightly judging their words.
2: You're an awful person, Andrew. Maybe
1: that's just me. I'm a five. (laughs) I'm constantly like deconstructing thoughts and words. keep mentioning the Enneagram. We're going to have to do a whole episode explaining what that is. Anyway, my point is a good point, I hope, is is that I always know when someone who's praying is like really wise or has like a deep relationship with God, when they have prayers just like Chris just explained, which is instead of, you know, as you're going around the circle, I pray for Brad uh, and I pray that he gets his job or I pray that he gets this, it... The wise people, I believe, pray in which they say things like, I pray that you comfort Brad in this time of need. And I pray that you reveal yourself to Brad or or henceforth and so on. Those types of relational prayers instead of just transactional prayers.
2: Right.
0: And I don't think that that means that you need to be fake Like you might be in a season of life where your thought is I really, really need to keep this job. Yep. And if we really believe we're prayed to an all-knowing God, like what's the point of pretending that's not your motivation if God already knows that? Uh, So be honest in your prayer. God, this is what I really, really want. This is why I think it's what I really, really need but i think it's also important then to offer the addition of but more than anything i i just desire to experience you more fully and to be more like jesus and no matter what happens like help help me to make that the most important thing
1: right and i mean the guy who's talking right now is the kid who prayed for Wolverine claws So by no means (laughs) am I a prayer aficionado, but like any part of faith, prayer is a journey. And so you're constantly growing and learning and it's like a, it's like a skill you develop. And so I don't think there's such a thing as a bad prayer. I think there are prayers that are maybe more wise or more experienced than others but if you're praying, I didn't mean to come across like you need to get better at praying. You're horrible if you pray for th- like asking for things. Yeah, That's not people what I'm saying. already
2: have enough of a complex praying in front of people. No oh, one's ever going to want to pray in front of you now.
1: You just made me think of something. Why I think so often prayer is very selfish is for that very reason. People get afraid to and pray, pray in public because deep down, we kind of know it's it's a it's a it's an ego thing, right? If we were more focused on God in the prayer, we would not care what anyone thought of our prayer. And it's coming from someone who gets really uh, critical about my own prayers and what other people are thinking of my prayers. I have to check myself and go, is this all about me or is
2: this prayer all about God? I'm glad you said that because um, for a little while now, I've had a thought bouncing into my head and I've kind of been looking for the way in. And I think this is it. Um, and that is, I think after all the things we've been kicking around, especially about being honest in our prayer and about prayer being about God, I really think that's probably why our scripture contains the Psalms. Because if you really look at the Psalms and analyze a lot of them, yes, they're, they're songs, they're hymns, but most of them I feel are actually prayers. They're prayers that someone who wrote down in a poetic way. And if you read a lot of them, they're either one, like, super honest. Like, God, how long are you going to hide your face from me? You know, God, why have you forsaken me? I'm a pit. I'm I'm in a pit. I feel like, you know... All of my enemies are surrounding me and are going to kill me. Like, they're very, very honest. And not all of the very honest ones have a happy ending. Some of them don't turn back to, but I will trust in you. Like, some of them just stay in the darkness. But of all the prayers, like the praise the Lord ones and the super honest dark ones, even the ones without happy endings, if you really look, their focus is all mostly on God. Yeah, they talk about like what I'm going through, but the way they they verbalize it is like it's always towards God and like thinking of him first Um, and less about asking for deliverance. Mm -hmm. But more just saying this is the situation I'm in and you, God, are a God that can deliver, not this is the situation that I'm in and please deliver me. And I feel like that's a subtle difference, but it's I feel like it's worth pointing out and it goes along with what we're talking about. Yeah. It's prayer
1: centered and rooted in relationship. Right. And I don't know if we're ready, but I'd like to throw out a better question.
0: Yeah, I was I was going to suggest one too, but you be my guest Andrew.
1: Okay. Here's my first stab. What if instead instead of asking, does God answer prayer or how does God answer prayer or what does it look like when God answers prayer? Instead, perhaps we should be asking, how does my prayer make me more like God? Or um, another one I'd like to throw out is, uh, oh, I just lost it. But yeah, let's go with that. How does my prayer make me more like God? Yeah, the, or what hap What happens to
0: me when I pray? Yeah, the, what I was going to suggest, I had different wording in my head, but it was basically the same thing. I was going to throw out there: Does this prayer change me? Of when I when we look at each time we go to pray, the specific prayer we are praying, it is it a prayer that changes me? And Dan, based off what you just said, I. I think that a prayer that is solely based around recognizing who God is changes me. So I, th- I know that this episode wasn't about the specific things necessarily we say in prayer, but I think that's important. And also when we're talking about solely just a list of wants, I don't know that that changes me. But I do think I can pray about those desires or wants that I feel in ways that are asking for me to be changed. And I think that's an important question to ask myself when I go to pray.
1: And when we say change me, just to be clear, we're not making that a sense of ego. We're implying, how does this prayer make us more like God? How does this make me more godly?
0: Or or how does it allow me to experience God in a new way? Right.
2: Yeah. And I, one that's just in my mind circling around is like, just keeping it simple. Like, what does prayer do? And if you just, you know, part of these questions are again, to call to action. This one really doesn't, but I think it's a question that's better than does God answer prayer. Well, I think it is a call to action because it forces you to challenge your assumptions on prayer.
1: What yeah. does prayer actually do?
2: What What does prayer do? And maybe that's not the end all, but I think that's a good one on this road to better questions for prayer. What does prayer do? And I think you'll discover for yourself that prayer changes, can change you, and it can, I think... Point, point out for you and make you aware of ways God moving in your life, whether you were aware of them before or not. Like, um, I don't know. I also, I, I like the question, how does prayer change me? But I also don't like that we've been talking about prayer being not me focused. And the, right. Our well, new question. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I get me.
1: that. And that's why I clarified. But I think maybe if we use the language, how does God, not as God, how does prayer make us more like god mm. it's it does include the me sense of ego but inherent in the question is this implication of well god is making me less like me
0: and more like him can i can i offer one little facet to that i love that this is totally nitpicking but i do think it makes a difference and here's why the question how does prayer make me more like god more christ like Sounds to me almost like a question of theory. Like, how does how does prayer do this similar to what does prayer do? The reason I liked adding the word this, how does this prayer make me more like God or more Christ-like? is because that's like a continual each time I go to pray, considering like are the, are the words coming out of my mouth? Uh a a desire to become more christ-like versus just in general does prayer do this or not
1: and if we take the approach of one prayer at a time how does this prayer we can eliminate these template models of prayer that i fall into so easily which is you almost find yourself repeating the same like six phrases in every prayer where instead if it's a relationship every prayer should be unique and different and and addressing different things and if you use that language of this prayer yeah, yeah, I like that.
0: Yeah, today I'm coming to prayer full of joy. How does this prayer make me more Christ-like? Today I'm coming to prayer full of anger. How does this prayer... Like, it, it, it allows room for us to be honest in our prayers but still consider what we're talking about here.
2: I dig it. I like that. How does this prayer make me more like Christ or like God.
1: And uh, to put a ribbon on it, I can honestly say the prayer for Wolverine claws did not in any way make me anything more like God or like Christ.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, these better questions are meant to be a starting point that we hope you keep running with. So if you come up with your own better questions, let us know you can leave a comment on BetterQuestionsPodcast.com. And if you're enjoying these conversations, leave us a rating on iTunes and share on social media. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.